Hey, good morning, church. Hope you guys you are doing well. Uh, let me let me just start us off, uh, start us time off with a word of prayer. Okay, God, I just thank you for this time that we get to um, get into your word. Um, and I and I pray that as we hear your word, um, that it's not just words that just uh, falls on the ears and and that's it. That that's that, that that's the only thing that happens. But um, and I pray that your spirit would be able to move into our hearts through the words. Um, that you would speak loudly through your spirit. That your spirit would change us. That your spirit would transform us. Uh, that we would. Uh, be able to see uh, just the beauties of your word. And I just pray that you would speak louder than what's going to be said here today. Um, I pray that you, you would be louder than the words that I say, than louder than the words that are on uh, the pages here. Uh, for I know that uh, it is you who saves. Um, it is your power uh, that works in our hearts and, and not anything that I can say or do. And so I um, I ask for your grace in this time. Um, I ask for your help. Uh, God, I thank you for everything. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, I don't know about you guys, but the, and back when I first got saved, uh, I, there was a song called Jesus Freak. And I don't know, how many of you guys remember this song called Jesus Freak? And maybe if you're uh, younger than me, you probably don't remember or don't know that song. And so uh, go, go YouTube it, Jesus Freak um, by DC Talk. Um, they're also, um, they, they, DC Talk, they also put out a book called um, Jesus Freaks, uh, People Who Stood for Jesus. And um, I remember one story from that book um, I remember one story from my book that was, it was right here when I was in the youth group. Um, it was about a young Chinese girl. Um, I don't remember the exact details of how it went, uh, but it went something where, like this where um, there was a church gathering um, in, in China, and all of a sudden during this, this, this um, gathering, so, uh, uh, soldiers just stormed in, um, and they had guns pointed at all the people that were gathering, um, and and what they did was they said that you could leave if you spat on the Bible. And so one by one, people, people kind of did it reluctantly. It talked about how there was this one lady who, who was super sad and uh, she, she could like barely spit up a little bit, but they, they still let her go. Um, but at the end of the story that they were telling, uh, there was this one young girl who um, she, she was, of course, in tears, um, I mean, she, she, she slowly walked up, knelt down before the Bible, and she picked up that Bible where everyone had spit upon it, and, and she took it, and she wiped it with her clothes, and she said, forgive them. Uh, she, asked, she asked God to forgive the soldiers, and um, in the story ends, uh, ends with the soldiers, um, the soldiers shooting the girl. And, um, and page after page in this book called Jesus Freaks, um, it, it's filled with stories like this. Um, it's filled with stories where people did not give in to persecution. Um, their stories were recorded, uh, and, and so many people were, were able to hear about it. And um, yeah, I would, I would encourage you guys to check out that book as well, DC Talk. Um, yeah, DC Talks, um, Jesus Freaks. And so, um, but yeah, their love for Christ, these, the people in these books, their love for Christ uh, enabled them to stand in the face of death. Um, there is something about their faith that stands out to us, right? And we, we like that. We are drawn to stories like this where, where people, uh, where they stand up for Christ or where they go through these hardships. And, and we love how their faith took them through that. And we like hearing about these stories. 
And I was, as I was reading um, through the book of First uh, Thessalonians, and as I was reading through our passage today, and I was reminded of stories from the, the Jesus Freak book. Uh, we see some similar things happening. In the church at Thessalonica, um, they were going through some persecution. Um, and and they, the church, in, they, they, were, they were known for going through persecution, uh, but it was because of the response to the persecution uh, that news about them began to spread. Right? People began to hear about their faith in Christ. And so you can see, even in verse 7 and 8 in, in, in uh, 1 Thessalonians 1, um, you can see that the news, uh, people heard about them throughout Macedonia and Achaia. And if you have a study Bible, you can look at the map and you'll see that Macedonia is right here and um, Thessalonica is right in the middle of the, um, Macedonia and Achaia borders the su- southern border of Macedonia. And so news about them traveled far. Um, they, and they, and the, uh, the, the church in Thessalonica, they were an example uh, to, for all the churches to be followed. And, and so Today, what I want to do is I want to look at what exactly about them made them an example to be followed. And if we follow their example, I hope that we can take steps towards growing to be this flourishing church that, we, uh, that we're, kind of, we're talking about right now. And so specifically to help us, Paul kind of lays out three things for us. Uh, if you look at it, um, let's look at verse 3 real quick. Uh, this, this is where we're going to go. Paul kind of lays out what he talks about here. And he says in verse 3, he says, we, uh, he says, Remember before God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so you see right there, there's three things. There's faith, love, and hope. And that's kind of the layout of um, our sermon today. And, and from that outline, uh, from that, we get this outline um, that, that I will use. Um, and so the three things that we will see today is that the flourishing church has a faith that transforms. The flourishing church has a love that endures suffering. And lastly, the flourishing church has a hope that is better. And so let's take a look at that first one. The flourishing church has a faith that transforms. And let's look at verses 4 and 5 here. In verse 4 it says, For we know, brothers, love by God, He has chosen you, because um, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. There's so much in there right there. For the Thessalonians, they needed to understand that they were saved. Uh, maybe there were some who doubted their salvation. They doubted that their faith, was, uh, faith alone was enough to save them. And so because of that, Paul writes to encourage them. Paul encourages them. He says, he says, he says hey, look at your life. Look at your life. Look at what you're doing. You're, you're different, right? You, you didn't just hear what we preached to you and kind of left it at that. Uh, but, but you receive power, all right? He says here, it says, you receive the Spirit and your heart has been changed because of that, right? How you're living now as a result of your faith. And that's why he says, the work of your faith. The gospel came to them and it was received in word and in power and in the spirit with full conviction. So much is happening when you and I are saved. Right? The gospel is not just a ticket into heaven, but rather there's this whole transformation that happens from the inside out when we are saved by the gospel. So one thing we see here is that we receive the spirit. 
When we, we receive the, when we receive the gospel, we receive the gospel in the Spirit. And so we're going to be completely different people uh, because the Spirit of God is within us. Um, I'm reminded of the, the movie Space Jam. Anybody remember that movie Space Jam? Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Space Jam, it's okay. I think there's a, a Space Jam 2 that's coming out soon. Uh, but in the first Space Jam, a long time ago, uh, actually, I don't really remember the plot of the, the, the movie. But what I do remember was that, um, the, what I do remember was that part of the movie was there's these aliens. They're, they're tiny little aliens. Um, and they were supposed to play a basketball game. I think they challenged um, probably all the other Looney Tune characters. And so um, they were supposed to go at it. And there's they're tiny little things. And, and what ends up happening is in this movie, uh, these aliens, these tiny little aliens, they go and steal the powers of actual NBA players. And, um, and so they kind of take their powers and absorb it into them. And, and so they turn and transform from these little aliens into these huge monsters. Um, and, and, they, and they have these ability to play basketball because of that. And, and, and this is the kind of transformation I'm picturing as I'm thinking about when we come and when we come in when the gospel comes into and comes into us and this is a transformation when i when i when i hear or i think about when the spirit comes into us the spirit within transforms us because of our faith we're completely different people so of course we're not transformed physically uh, but rather what begins to happen is that as a believer as a believer our connection to god is different as a believer, our, our source of joy is different. And as a, as a believer, because of the Spirit, because of the Spirit's transformation, um, our purpose in life is different. Look, look down at, at verse 9 with me. In verse 9, it says, For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Do you see what happened here? Do you see what happened because of the Spirit? The Spirit convicted people. When we receive the gospel, we receive the gospel in spirit with full conviction. The Spirit convicted the people of their idolatry. And, and while I do want to point out something when I say uh, they were convicted of idolatry. And I don't mean that the Spirit just told them, hey, that's wrong, just stop it, and they just turn from that. But when I say they were convicted of their idolatry, the Spirit, the Spirit reveals to them how weak and empty their idols are and who God really is. What does Paul say happens? Paul says this. He says they turn and serve. What do they, who do they turn and serve? A living and true God. And so that's the, the difference between uh, the, the idols that they were worshiping before, the idols that they were pursuing before, empty and, and fleeting to this true and living God. So they saw that the world was fleeting and that God was fulfilling. God is the living and true God. Our, our source of joy can no longer be the emptiness of, the, of this world, but we're transformed by the Spirit so we can pursue God. We can pursue life now, right? John 10.10 says, you know, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Everything from our hearts, from our hearts to our minds, to our desires, to our wills, everything should be different because of the Spirit. The Spirit saves and convicts. 
Right? The Spirit changes us. You know, recently in one of my conversations with a bunch uh, with uh, with other youth pastors, um, you know, one of the youth pastors, uh, they 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 said that they felt like this year of ministry was just a wash. Like, wherever ever since the beginning of pandemic, it's just been ministry's just been a wash, and we're just and, and many times throughout the pandemic, I I felt the same thing. And I really felt like, man, if I could, if we could just wait to to come back and and be in person, then maybe real ministry can happen. Like I'm I'm waiting for the day uh, where this room is filled again with all the students, and and I, I look forward to that day. And but sometimes I'm like, man, well, I just feel like I have to wait for them to come back before I can be effective or uh, you know do something where I can you know you know they'll actually listen or something like that. But you know, but I was reminded. Uh, I, I, you know, I was reminded of the words in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. In, in Paul, in 1 Corinthians 2, he says, And I came to you, brothers, I did not come proclaiming to you a testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, for I, decided, for I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling, and my speech and my message were not implausible, were, or not, were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith not, might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Real ministry doesn't have to wait till we get back in person because it's not dependent on how we do our ministry, but it depends on who we do ministry with. Real ministry depends on the Spirit's work and the Spirit's life change and the Spirit's working and transformation in the students. So the Spirit transforms His people of faith. So we see, we see that, the, that the Thessalonians, they were a church that had a faith that transforms. And that was the first point that we see. But the second point I want to move on is, is that the flourishing church, they have a love that endures through suffering. So secondly, we see um, that the people, yeah, they, 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 were, they were going through persecution. They were going through suffering. But yet that their love was still seen. And let's read with me in verse 6. We're going to look at verses 6 through 8. And it says, You became imitators of us in the Lord, and you received the word in much affliction and with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need, so that we need not say anything. We see a few things going on here. Uh, in this passage. Uh, first, the Thessalonians, their love for people was grounded in the examples set up by Paul and Christ. Uh, we heard last week that Paul, uh, Paul's visit to Thessalon the Thessalonians was cut short because of persecution, um, but that did not stop Paul from proclaiming the gospel first before leaving. And so Paul mentions, he also mentions that the church was an imitator of Christ who is a perfect example of suffering for the sake of others. Christ is the perfect uh, picture of love. And the second thing we see here in this passage is that the news about the Thessalonians was not spread just by the proclaiming the gospel, but they're living out of the gospel. Um, in verse 8, in verse 8 says, Not only has the word, uh, word of the Lord sounded forth from you, but their faith has also gone out. 
to quote Paul again, he says, their work of faith, also in verse 3, he says, the work of faith, um, but also God, Paul thanks God for their labor and love. And I believe this labor of love is what the people in Macedonia and Achaia are seeing in the Thessalonians. So from the Thessalonian church, we see that salvate, that the salvation of others is weightier than the suffering of uh, their own situations. And how is that possible? Why, why is it that they can, be able, they can turn away from their own circumstances, they can turn away from their own suffering and, and, and look, towards, the sal- and look to, towards pursuing the salvation of others? How is that possible? Again, it goes back to that transformation of the Spirit. But again, we see, uh, if we see in verse 6, it says, um, you receive the word in much affliction, but with joy of the Holy Spirit, the joy in of the Holy Spirit. So there's this transformation that happens where we do receive the joy of the Holy Spirit. And that's how they're able to go, you know what, I, I, my suffering, it, it's much, um, yes, I know it's there, but yes, but yet the way, what is weightier is the salvation of others. You know, earlier this week, um, earlier this week, we found out that one of our supported missionaries, um, the husband, was in the hospital for COVID, um, and, and it wasn't looking too good. I think at one point they say that his oxygen levels went down to like the 80s, and um, it was just it wasn't looking good at all. And uh, at one point, but I, but thankfully, praise God that he. I think I believe he's doing much better today. They said his levels were up to like the high 90s, and um, uh, if I'm not mistaken, but. Uh, but at one point, though, at one point, what they, what they had to do was they had to fly the husband uh, over to Houston to receive treatment. Um, and, and one of the updates that I was reading on CaringBridge, uh, a friend of the family was writing the, the journal post, and um, they were saying how as the helicopter was beginning to fly away, um, the wife was out on the helipad praying for other families in the waiting room. Like in the middle of her suffering, in the middle, like, like just as her husband is being flown away in, in the helicopter, probably the wind is still there, you know, from the blades. And as the helicopter is flying away, she's not even thinking about her husband, but she's praying for others who are suffering. She's praying for those in, in, this, in the waiting room. She was not only looking towards her own suffering, but look towards the suffering of others. Look towards, you know, the salvation of others. Um, that some, some of the friends who were writing journals, they're saying that, you know, they would have to force the wife to uh, take breaks because if she wouldn't, she would uh, probably be, be talking up the nurses and trying to share the gospel with them. But, but she, would, she needed the rest. And so when I read about these, when I read about what was happening, what was going on, I, and I was like, this is the exact picture seen here in Thessalonica. They were laboring in love in the middle of affliction. You know, we're not, we're not out of this pandemic yet. And there are many people who are in need during this time. And we're even, even if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic, there's always going to be needs around us. And, and, and I'd like to ask, are, are you laboring in love? Are, are, are we meeting the needs uh, of those around us? You know, I always ask the youth this question, and, and I challenge myself with this too. I says, you know, would, would anyone notice if HCC were to disappear from this community? 
Like, like what kind of impact are we making here that if we were gone, there would be this big hole uh, and big need to fill? Or if we were to disappear, would, would things just kind of be the same? Would it, would it matter if we were gone? Would people go, yeah, that church closed down and that's that. Let's, let's you know, let's take over the land. Let's, let's sell, let's buy the land. And, you know, like, are, are we just going to just, are we just taking up this land here and that's it? Or are we actually making a difference in the community around us? Would there be anybody that misses us? Not because we're great, not because we're awesome, but would people miss the, the, the impact that we're making in the community around us? The church in Thessalonica made an impact in the community and to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. So what kind of impact do we make? And the last thing that we want to see here um, as a flourishing church, uh, the flourishing church, ha- church has a hope that is better. Uh, let's read on in verse 9 and 10. Verse 9 and 10 says this. It says, For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you <coughs> and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for a son from heaven who raised him, uh, whom he raised from the dead, um, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. You know, earlier in the message, uh, I mentioned how the Spirit turns us away from idols and towards the living and true God. And what I did not point out in this passage in verse 9 was that when we turn away from God, or sorry, when we turn away from idols and we turn towards God, we turn towards God and serve Him. So what we see here in, in, in verses 9 to 10 is that while we wait for the Son, we serve God while we wait for the Son. And so it reminds me of passages like Philippians 1.21 that says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So when we pass, or, 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 or better, when, when Jesus comes back, it's about Jesus. We, we look forward to being with Jesus. Or when we live, it's still about Jesus. When we live, we live for Christ. So whether we're dead or whether we're alive, Jesus is the pursuit Paul uses the phrase uh, in the beginning in verse 3, he uses the phrase the steadfastness of hope. And so when we have hope in something, not only does that affect our future, uh, not only does that affect our life, you know, when we finally receive what we're hoping for, uh, but it should affect us, as, uh, it should affect us uh, now as we wait. That's the message here in, in Thessalonians 1. It says our future hope, um, you know, our future hope will change how we live now. So can I ask you this? What does it mean to be ready for Jesus when he comes back? Right, the, the Bible tells us to, to um, like a thief in the night, Jesus is going to come back. Are you going to be ready for that? Are you going to stand guard for that, right? Um, the Bible tells us, you know, don't be caught off guard when Jesus comes back. And, and so have you thought about this? What does it look like? Is there, is there something that you and I should be doing specifically at that time? Or, or is it more of a, a heart thing where, um, is it more of a heart thing where we got to make sure we love Jesus uh, to a certain degree? Or, or, or is it like we better make sure that we're reading the Bible at that moment when Jesus comes? And so... What should happen? How, what does it mean to be ready for Jesus when he comes back? And I'll try to answer like this from this passage. 
we should pursue to see some of the future realities of our salvation uh, now here in this life. So being ready for Christ and being ready for His coming, being, having this hope, it should affect our life now in, 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 in a way where we're bringing the future realities or bringing the hope of what's to come into our life now. Here in verse 10, Right? In verse 10, it says that we're waiting for Jesus, the one who raised from the one who raised from the dead, the one who delivered us from the wrath to come. This is the message. This is the message that we need to go forth and proclaim. We need to see or at least pursue salvation to come to those around us. If you read verse 9 again, if you read verse 9 again, the people in Macedonia and Achaia, they report that they saw the gospel message from the church in Thessalonica. They have heard and seen the proclamation of the gospel through the life uh, of the church. So we go and preach. We go and preach that Christ died so that all who believe will be saved. We teach what is to come for the one who believes. Not only do we preach it with words, but we live it out in love. We labor in love We do that by serving people. We do that by showing kindness. We do that by being generous. We do that by by seeking reconciliation and restoration. We we do all of the things that the Spirit is convicting, convicting us about. We do whatever the Spirit is leading us towards. We must make an impact in the people and community around us. Because this, because what we do and, and how we make an impact is by bringing the hope of these future realities into our lives now. So we may never, we may never experience or encounter situations like those in the book, uh, in, in the Jesus Freak book. Um, but we can still be an example. We can still be an example when it comes to living out the gospel in our lives. We, we, and even as we grow as a church, as we grow as a flourishing church, you know, our, our, my hope and my prayer is that may we be able to seek and become an example to others as we put on display our faith and our love and, our, and the hope that we have in Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, we come before you today thanking you for what you have done for us. Um, and because of your salvation, because of what you've given us, we have these new lives. We have this, this life that's been transformed. We have these lives that's been that's being able to live out f- um, for the benefit of others. Uh, we have a life that is that can be that be that can be spent to be, be uh, that can be spent pursuing you and everything that we do. We have these lives that can be lived out for the benefit of others. That can be lived out uh, for. Uh, the pursuit of salvation of others. So God, I pray that you would use us. I pray that your spirit would speak to us and lead us this week, that, you would, uh, that your spirit would convict us of some things, of where, where, what, we, what we should do, who we should talk to, who we should love, and how we should be kind and how we can be generous. God, would you use us as a church um, to just to, be an, to make an impact in our community? Would you use us as a church uh, to display the gospel around us? I pray that, that, that the light shown from us um, is just a reflection of who you are and how good you have been to us. So Jesus, we pray that you would use us in, in great ways for, the, for your namesake. And it is for your namesake, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.